were blown off instantly. Uh, they went flying in one direction, my life went in another. The good news, yeah, I lost my legs, but I didn't lose my heart. As we look around in society today, just about everybody has legs, but a lot of people are losing heart. And that's why I'm so appreciative of what you're doing by running through this radio show. Inspiring and encouraging people. Always remember, it's too soon to quit. You're walking in the jungle in Vietnam. The next thing you know, you're on the ground, both of your legs blown off by a mortar round. That's a part of the story of today's guest, Bob Whelan. In honor of all of our veterans who fought for the freedoms we share as Americans, I want to take you back to an interview I had in 2015 on today's Mid-South Viewpoint. Hi, I'm Byron Tyler. Bob came to Memphis to speak to the University of Mississippi football team in the locker room at the Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium just prior to their game against the University of Memphis. By the way, Memphis upset Ole Miss 37-24 in that game. With that as our introduction, let's take you now to the studio with Bob Wheeland. Yes, uh, I was serving with the 25th Infantry Division, and our assignment was to uh, turn a place called the Hobo Woods, which was an enemy stronghold, and the goal was to turn it into a parking lot. But to our surprise, it was our company that got ambushed, and all my partners were yelling and screaming for help, help. I had to make a quick decision. I didn't have many choices, only two. Uh, one, run in the opposite direction for safety. Second choice, Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love has no man than this, that a man be willing to lay down his life for his friends. Those are my friends. I ran up and I set off and detonated an 82-millimeter mortar Powerful explosive could put a tank out of commission, kill people up to it, including a 30-yard radius, and I was standing on it. When you stood on that, was there any hope of Jesus Christ in your life at the time? Well, yeah, I was born again, spirit-filled, blood-bought, blood-washed, covered by the Lamb Christian. Uh, but my legs were blown off instantly. Uh, they went flying in one direction. My life went in another the good news, yeah, I lost my legs, but I didn't lose my heart. As we look around in society today, just about everybody has legs, but a lot of people are losing heart. And that's why I'm so appreciative of what you're doing by running through this radio show. Inspiring and encouraging people. Always remember, it's too soon to quit. Too soon to quit. You know, I was just talking to a former crack addict the other day. She was telling me who life, by the way, has been transformed by Jesus Christ. And she was telling me your past doesn't have to determine your future. Exactly. So it hasn't in your case. No, I never thought I had a serious injury. That's probably the biggest mistake I made because the doctors said that when I say we, all of the uh, amputees at Valley Forge Army Hospital outside of Philadelphia, that we'd be in the hospital for a year, year and a half to two years. And as I looked over my shoulder, I thought they were addressing everybody else. And then they said, Wheelan, you're part of the group. But in all actuality, I got hit June 14th, 1969, and I left six weeks later, uh, August 1st, 1969. So... Before this happened, obviously you were fighting in Vietnam at that point. Prior to that time, when you were thinking about, hey, when this war gets over, I want to do X, what were your plans? 
Well, I, I, I was uh, right in the process of getting drafted by the Philadelphia Phillies as a left-handed pitcher. Those are my goals. Those are my dreams. <clears throat> but I did get sidetracked a little bit. But uh, it, it just was such a blessing to be alive. So many times I think we go through things in life and we think the best thing is death. You know what I'm talking about, yeah, Bob? Yeah. People encounter bad relationships. They encounter just pain of life, maybe excess baggage from growing up. And they think really, truly the only real answer to this is death. And they miss a key point, don't they? Yeah, yeah they miss John chapter 10, verse 10, which says Jesus has come to give us life. They give it to us more abundantly, and it doesn't say anything about being in a wheelchair. So I took that scripture, and I said, I better start acting uh, on this scripture, and also Romans eight thirty seven, which tells us we're more than conquerors through him. That's Jesus who loves us. God has given you opportunity to do some things that a lot of people would be, hey, that's pretty neat. Like, you walked across America on your arms? Uh, yeah, three years, eight months, and six days. Now, you started off thinking this was going to be maybe a year, year and a half trip, didn't you? Well, that's what were my initial calculations were. But what I didn't take into consideration was, in many instances, hundreds and hundreds of people coming out, talking with me, wanting to take pictures, ministering to them, literally thousands and thousands of people got saved through this project. And then the intensity of doing it every day, with the exception of Sundays, I was sharing in some church. But you see, when you train to 100% of your capacity, it takes 64 to 72 hours to fully recuperate. And I'd start walking at 7 o'clock in the morning till 7 at night, and I'd get about 12 hours sleep, and I'd have to repeat the process over again. So my triceps were hanging. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You are a four-time world record for bench press. 507 pounds was your top weight lift? Yeah, that was that was my best lift. And it, and it was done not in the wheelchair Olympics, but against the strongest able-bodied men in the country. And you told me you got disqualified from that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the official said, what a fantastic lift, however. And when I heard them use that word, however, I knew they were going to say something else. And they brought out this thick rule book and said, however, weren't you familiar with uh, page 32, paragraph 3, sentence 2? And I said, well, I kind of remember sentence 1, but 2 was a little hazy. And, of course, they told me if a man in this competition breaks the world's record and he's not wearing shoes... He must be disqualified. So that's what happened to me. But I wasn't bitter. I just went up to the official and I said, look, if you want to accept the record, it's fine. If you don't, it's okay. What touched my heart was all of the other competitors signed a petition that I rightfully deserved the world record. Well, I would say, I mean, wouldn't it be more difficult to lift that kind of weight without shoes or yeah, without legs? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's five times, ten times, or a hundred times more difficult, but it definitely isn't an advantage. Something else between 90 and 91, you were the strength and motivational coach for the Green Bay Packers. What was that like? Yeah, that was pretty exciting. It was a dream. Uh and as I look back on the history of the NFL, there's never been a double amputee coach in the National Football League. And it really, the door opened up through prison ministry. There was a former all-pro tight end with Green Bay uh, doing prison ministry with us. His name was Paul Kaufman. And I, as I chatted with Paul, I began 
uh, recounting all of the great games he has as a, as a Packer. He said, man, I ought to get you to talk to the team. So at that time, the Los Angeles Raiders featuring Bo Jackson were still in Los Angeles. And he set it up for me to share with a number of the players and the head coach, Lindy, and finally got word of it. And uh, long story short, they had me speak that day. Uh, we won. We won by 15 points. They gave me the game ball and said, "Hey, we'd like you to come to Green Bay." And that, it, it was a miracle. It really was, and it was a lot of fun. The encounters I can't imagine of the different people that God has allowed you to come across. And I'm not talking about presidents like Ronald Reagan that you yeah. met when you walked across America. I'm talking about average Joes in little small towns. Talk about America. Talk about American people and feel like we're kind of at a disconnect in our yeah. country today. Yes. Do you feel that? Well, what I sense, and this is how I describe myself, is I'm, I'm just a regular guy. I want to say it a second time. I'm a regular guy with a special heavenly father. But in our society, people look at achievements and so people are trying to make like I'm some kind of a superstar or something. But Galatians chapter 6 and verse 3 says, If a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. And I also like to say, be humble before you stumble. Yes, God's given me an anointing. He's given me a gift to inspire and encourage the multitudes. I've had audiences up to 50,000 people at the Georgia Dome over in Africa, 260,000. And I, I enjoy life, number one. Number two, I enjoy helping other people get over the bar. It's a real thrill for me when I'm able to work with our young people. So I'm in high schools all over America. I'm in colleges all over America. Still working with a number of pro and college football teams, if you will. And I don't know if you've heard of this. Have you heard of this team, Old Miss, Mississippi? I haven't heard of that team. Are they <laughs> yeah. popular? Or? Yeah. Well, they're real popular. They asked me to speak. <laughs> that's kind so, of why you're in town. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I'm in town. But it's so exciting because I just say, Lord Jesus, would you please send me to places where they're willing to hear the word of God? And I just end up in all these places. It's absolutely beautiful. He makes it happen. Yeah. And I just had a, a real kind of a cool honor. Muhammad Ali got behind a project called Flag for Hope to try to bring society together. Of course, with the 50 states, there were 50 stars. And I got honored as one of the stars. So I put my handprint on this flag, and it's going to go to the White House November 11th, and then it's going to go into the Smithsonian Institute. So that was pretty cool. And it just happened about two weeks ago. So Congratulations. Thank you. What a great honor. Yes. When you talk about helping people, give me some specifics and ways that you've been able to impact people and regular people. Well, you see, dreaming it is cool, but living it is even better. Being great is cool, but once again, living it is better. And so, you know, what a lot of people talk about, and they have some wonderful presentations and speeches, but what they talk about, I try to live on a daily basis. And when people see this in action, it kind of overwhelms them just to take the time to to reach out and find out what they want to achieve. Because I'm the type of person, I like to stand in agreement with people's goals and their desires. That means a lot to people, you know, because we have become somewhat of an island. It's all about me, which is probably one of the worst comments or statements I've ever heard of. 
because it really isn't about us. It's about helping others and serving. I do whatever people ask me to do if I'm capable of handling it. Bob, I have a friend in town that she has a ministry for World War II veterans wow. and, and takes them to Normandy, takes them to Pearl Harbor. and just, Wow. It's amazing. You know, and we know that the percentages of these great Americans are dying off so quickly. I think oftentimes we're forgetting the sacrifices it took for us to be able to have the freedoms that you and I are enjoying right now. Yeah. And you were a part of that when you were right. in Nam. Right. Well, the line I always use when people look at me, they say, hey, man, what happened? I said, well, I'll tell you this. I wasn't born this way. I wasn't in an automobile accident. I didn't get injured watching Call of Duty. I said, I had to lay my life on the line. And this is what happens when you go to war. But, you know, I served with 1st Platoon Alpha Company, 2nd of the 14th Battalion, the 25th Infantry Division. And our little group of guys, about 20 of us, we still try to get together once a year for a little reunion. And it's very, very special. But that heart, though, you were willing to say, I want to serve my country. I want to defend the rights and the freedoms as we as Americans share and hold true our Constitution. It seems like that's becoming a fog now. I still think there's people in America that love America. Don't get me wrong. But that heart, that heart of your generation, that heart of our, our World War II generation, how do we restore that? How can that become part of us again? I think by having some of these programs where veterans go into the community and go into the schools, uh, that's the best way that I know. And, you know, everybody's always very, very appreciative of, of these programs and what a difference it makes. As you get ready to go into the locker room or the chapel service or wherever you speak, what are you going to share with them? Well, number one, wherever I share, I stand on Luke chapter 12, verse 12, which says in that selfsame hour, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak. But, I mean, if I've done this once, I've done it thousands and thousands of times. And I just pray before I go in and just speak from my heart. I pour my heart out, and I think that's the difference because these young kids, they know it's real, and that's what makes the difference. And I got a pretty good winning percentage. I think I'm at 947, so I don't like teams to goof up my percentage. <laughs> I put a little extra pressure on them. But, uh, it's a real joy. It's a joy to share uh, a testimony of what the Lord Jesus Christ uh, has done in my life. What have been some of the unique situations in your ministry as you traveled around? Uh, things have happened to you? Uh, unusual things have happened to you? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm almost scratching my head every day saying, man, how did I end up here? How did I end up there? And it's just I don't know the people are so touched, but I, I still want to emphasize it's God working through me. God works through people to people, and he puts the anointing on it. He knows what needs to be accomplished, and I just try to make myself available. But wherever I go, I hear it so often that, wow, did I need to hear that? That's the greatest message I've ever heard. What an example. And just nothing but positive things. And... uh so it, may, it makes me feel pretty cool that I'm achieving what God's called me to do. Your wife, which you mentioned, would not be happy if you didn't get the grass cut. How long have you been married? Well, I, I'm i going to say I was married for 38 years, and my wife passed away a little over a year ago from endometrial cancer. So I prayed. I said, Lord Jesus, I need some help. And uh, he sent me a beautiful Christian lady, and and so we got married. 
Not only did we we get married, but she had five children. (laughs) So I never had to change a diaper, and uh, it's been pretty exciting. So we've been married, uh, I think, here in a few months. It'll be almost a year. So you're still a newlywed. I'm a newlywed. (laughs) I'm loving every minute of it, so it's all good. How did you guys meet? Well, we met through kind of a church-orientated function, and... uh, she was actually from Texas, but she was ministering out in California. And so I had met her and, uh, we began to chat. And uh, again, my wife got promoted to heaven. I want to emphasize that. And did I miss my wife? Of course I missed my wife, but, uh, we celebrated her life. And, uh, but it was time to move on. I mean, that's what God told me. He said, I'm not finished with you yet, Bob Whelan. I said, well, Lord, I do need a helpmate. And he sent me this wonderful lady, Mari Cruz. So we're going out ministering and sharing and raising these five children together. I did not realize your first wife had passed away. I knew that she was such a special part last time we were together, which has been a few years back. I know you talked so wonderfully about her. Oh, yeah. She was special. One of a kind. Do you strategize goals? Is there a system you lay before the Lord? How do you plan? That's a very good question because what people don't realize, I only do a couple of things. I lift weights, I read the Bible, and I share my testimony. (laughs) That's all. And now, of course, raising these children is is a new challenge for me. But people say, wow, that was pretty fantastic. And I said, well, I've been practicing it for 56 years. I I hope I'm halfway decent at it. I keep it real simple and try to be consistent and make a commitment. And that's what I personally do. Make a commitment and make sure you don't stop till you get to the yeah. finish line. <laughs> you mentioned these five children that you now are daddy to. Well, what would you like as the opportunity, Dean, when you talk about investing what Bob Wheeling has to offer these children? I don't know their ages, but in relationship, what a legacy you could leave just to be a, a testimony of what your life means. Well, I, I know the kids are pretty excited that their mom married me. <laughs> It's pretty exciting, but I, I just try to share love with them and help them out. And they've had some challenges, but but God told me just to pour out my heart and pour out my love and, and just help and get them involved in activities. So they're playing football, and a couple of them are in art, very gifted and very talented, but they've never had a father figure in their life. And so this is kind of a new experience for them. And <laughs> it certainly is a new experience for me, but I've accepted the responsibility. I think that's important. Let me say that again. I've accepted the responsibility. And I think a lot of guys who are out there, they, uh, I'm not sure they're all accepting the responsibility. I totally agree there, Bob. I think we're seeing the family today just deteriorating because the man won't take that responsibility in the I, home. I agree. I'm doing the best I can, but it's been fun. It's been exciting. And it has been challenging, so it's all good. And I want to reemphasize, people usually ask me the question because the walk across America on my arms, and I know that's hard for the listeners to relate to it, so sometime sit down on your living room floor, cross your legs over, see if you can make it to the other side of the room, and it'll give you at least somewhat of an idea of what I went through. But I was on the road for 
three years, eight months, and six days to complete the 2,784.1-tenth mile journey, took approximately 4,900,016 steps to get there. But every step was an adventure. And I tell people the joy has been in the journey, the journey that most people are on, they don't seem to enjoy it. And I'm like a sponge, man. I'm just enjoying life to the maximum. When you talk about those 12-hour days when you're on the road, I mean, mentally, I mean, <laughs> you have to depend a lot upon the Bible, I guess, to get you strength. Well, that, and, and, and you had to be pretty alert because these semi-trucks were going 90 miles an hour, and I was on the side of the shoulder of the interstate. So I had to be very, very, very alert. And I think for the first about a year and a half, you had a team of people helping yes, you, didn't you? Yes, first year and a half. They forsook well, you. Well, <laughs> I, I want to say it. Yes, they did leave, but, but they, they did commit to at least a year, and I thought that was very special. But I was out on the road by myself for five and a half months, and then uh, another Christian brother who saw me on television when I took off in 1982, he drove down the highway and said, oh, man, there's Bob Whelan. So he pulled over and said, I want to encourage you, and he was a beautiful Christian brother. And two weeks later, he joined me and went all the rest of the way across America. And I, I know you mentioned President Reagan. I wanted to share one quick story. There was press from all over the world. May 14, 1986, when we arrived in our nation's capital and President Reagan, of course, welcomed us into the White House and press all over. And I just said, Mr. President, I said, I hope in some small way this project, walking across America, my arms, was an encouragement to you. People say, well, what did the president say? What did he say? I said, well, he didn't say anything. He started crying. Let me repeat that. He started crying right there in the White House. And that was the end of the project. I went back and ran the last mile of the wall, 22 West Line 47, where in lies the name of my fellow comrade and soldier and dear friend, uh, Jerome Lubino. And on that, Bob, let's dedicate the program today, if we can, sure. to your friend. We'll dedicate Jerome. it to Jerome. He was a soldier's soldier. All right. A very, very, very special man. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you in the studio. When you're in town, anytime you're in Memphis, please uh, stop by. Let us know what's going on with you. Well, let's do some stuff in this community. You know, I've heard through the grapevine that, you know, some of the, not all, but some of the Memphis schools are facing some challenges. But one of my gifts is, believe it or not, I'm very, very good at goofing up people's excuses. <laughs> we have no excuse, Bob. Right. We don't have any excuses. And that's why I enjoy going to the high schools because you hear somebody say, well, I can't do this because of that. I can't do this. I can't do that. And I usually start off by saying, hey, anybody here ever have any challenges? And they kind of start to raise their hand and then they put their hands on and say, no, not at all. No, that's you mentioned it. But wow. uh, I spend the whole day, I usually get into the school about seven o'clock in the morning, be with the student uh, council. Then we do a, a all school assembly program called Unleash the Champion Within. Then we have lunch with the kids. The kids write a little uh, one, two, three paragraph presentation on what they learned from the assembly. Then I visit more classrooms, go one-on-one. -on -one. Then I visit the athletic teams, both men and women. I do another seminar entitled How to Become a World Champion. Uh, then that night we meet with some of the corporate sponsors. And then in the evening, 
I wrap up with, uh, we invite the whole community to come into the school. So wow. I usually wrap up about 10 o'clock <laughs> at night and I'm exhausted, but it's worth it. Oh my. Yeah. Hey, my dear brother, Bob, thank you for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom. Yes, Lord. To make him known. Thank you so much for coming by today. By the way, again, the website, if somebody wants to stop by and learn more about Bob Whelan, the yeah. ministry, you also have a book you've written. Yeah, the book's one step at a time. It's We're in the process of publishing some more because I, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of books I sold. So if somebody wants to get a book real quick, the only way you can get it is through Amazon. Uh, but the website, Bob Whelan, W-I-E-L-A-N-D dot net. And then my older website is bobwheelan.com. So All right. Take a look at it. Get encouraged. Get inspired. Get in contact <laughs> with us. And most importantly, remember what I look like. Don't get me mixed up. Do we have time for one last? You know, I was walking across on, on the shoulder of the interstate and some people came up to me and said, Hey, man, didn't we see you on the highway yesterday? I said, Gee, I don't know. I said, what did the guy look like? And they start demonstrating with their hands. And I said, you know, I said, that sounds like me. I said, but let me ask you a question. What direction was the guy going? Was he going east or was he going west? I said, because if he's going west, it was somebody else. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, you're going the right direction, my dear friend, right now. Yes. And I want to thank David Sitton for helping to set this interview up. David and I have been friends for, I don't know, 30 years, 40 years. And we've done the Ironman together in Konakalua, Hawaii, and David saved my life over there. I got caught in a current and couldn't get out. So he's a special guy here. David is a dear friend of mine, too, for many, many years, and always appreciate when he brings people to town like you, Bob. All right. (laughs) All right. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. March along, sing a song.